Rainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping before we uh, kick things off this week. Um, this past week, I released a t-shirt up on what a maneuver so if you go to whatamaneuver.net you can get your very own Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Um the t-shirt uh the, it, it ships very fast uh from what i gather because i've ordered a few off of what a maneuver and it ships almost instantly like next day or two days later it's on its way out the door uh my fiance just told me that hers shipped today so um and she ordered hers yesterday so that's a day turnaround so check out whatamaneuver.net search Grainmaker wrestling podcast grab yourself a t-shirt i ask you to do this because Half of all of the profits uh, that the t-shirts make are going to be donated to Ray Winnipeg. Ray Winnipeg is Resource Assistance for Youth Winnipeg. They do some fantastic work in the city, and it's just a little bit, uh, just being able to help out a little bit, donating money to them so that they can put it towards the programs and uh, things that they need to do to help better help better perform you know it's a non-profit in winnipeg they do fantastic work so grab a t-shirt half the profits are going towards them so that every little bit helps that's what i'm trying to say so that's up on what a maneuver grain maker wrestling podcast search that please grab a shirt and let's let's help out a little bit all right now this week on the grain maker wrestling podcast i was joined by jackson stone uh you may not be familiar with Jackson Stone, but he is doing some incredible work with wrestling and mental health. Uh, Jackson is a former wrestler. He talks a little bit about that and uh, his career. But then we get into a very good conversation about mental health, what he is doing for mental health and wrestlers with You Are Loved. They're doing webinars and just raising awareness. Um, they're doing some fantastic stuff. So definitely check out his twitter he he's doing a lot of stuff up on there and up on you are loved uh, on twitter so we get into all that i will recap the uh, social medias at the end just for you to check out and uh, you can follow or see the resources up on there what they have to offer um they're doing stuff for you know everyone involved with wrestling the wrestlers promoters referees all of that the, he talks about um, doing some stuff for, you know, even fans down the line and gets into that. But we're, we're looking out for, uh, for the wrestlers first and then uh, we're jumping into everything afterwards. Raising mental health awareness for everyone involved. It's important and hopefully that, uh, you know, if you're in need that this, uh, this episode can help direct you to whatever we can do to help out. So, uh, a trigger warning just with uh, some stuff that's talked about. Um, we do warn you right before, so it's it's there just in case. Uh, but wanted to make sure that that gets out uh, before we, we chat. So, without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Jackson Stone. One of the most important things that is often overlooked in wrestling is uh, mental health. Today, my guest is not only a wrestler, but a, a big mental health advocate, Jackson Stone. Thank you for joining me today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I'm always up for the opportunity to talk about one wrestling and to talk about the importance of mental health and what we can do for professional wrestlers to uh, in, increase resources and structures and systems and connection so that we can all thrive a little bit better in and outside of the ring. So I appreciate the opportunity and then look forward to engaging with you. For sure. Now let's talk a little bit about your wrestling career. You've been uh, a wrestler since about 2015, if I'm not mistaken. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's right. Let's talk about you just getting into wrestling and how that all came to be. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my story is not um not that much different than you know all of us that fall in love with wrestling. This little beautiful, magical, athletic, violent art that we uh, that we so deeply love. But I was I was headed towards high school. Uh, playing baseball at the time that was like my first love baseball was and uh just in my room I had recently just quit um basketball and football because I wasn't very good at it anymore I was kind of feeling down that baseball was my only sport potentially heading into high school and didn't really know what I was going to do and I turned on the tv and there's John Cena there's Edge there's Monday Night Raw Mm -hmm. Uh, the very first segment I ever saw as a professional wrestling fan was uh, in 2006, when we when um, WWE was heading towards SummerSlam that summer, and John Cena and Edge were feuding, I didn't know any of this at the time, of course, but I later found out. Mm-hmm. And it was when Edge went to John Cena's dad's house and they had an altercation, and he absolutely slapped the piss out of him. That mm-hmm. like segment where Edge was in the ring, like talking through that, that was the first thing I ever saw. Thought it was magical. Was like super into comic books. Um, Power Rangers and all that stuff really into sports as well and I watched the rest of the episode and was like wow this is like a combination of, of everything I love I was also in theater at the same time and just missing kind of basketball and football I found wrestling joined the wrestling team in high school uh, did only that for a couple of years in high school it was mostly focused on baseball but that's how I fell in love with wrestling and bought all the DVDs because the network wasn't up there in 2006 but my dad took me to a bunch of shows had like a zillion t-shirts uh we went to raw and pay-per-views every time they were in dallas so yeah just an incredible incredible journey very lucky to have found professional wrestling when i did and yeah it's a beautiful thing i'm always um enter- not entertained but just like i love hearing about everyone's introduction to wrestling because everyone's story is different but it's always impactful in just how it shapes them and their life absolutely absolutely yeah that's a lot about like wrestling. You talk to any wrestling fan or wrestler or promoter, anyone, I guarantee you from, at least from my experience that they have at least one time in their life where professional wrestling saved their life. Mm-hmm. And I don't, that's not like a exaggerated statement. Like it pulled them out of a dark spot. They saw it whenever they needed it. There was an interaction at a show that changed their outlook. Like these things, seem small but the love professional wrestling the love we have for professional wrestling at times has maybe on more than one occasion has saved our life and uh we owe that a lot to it that's why you know we feel the need to want to change and alter and grow and expand the business in ways that we do Mm -hmm. now making that transition from being a fan at what point was it something that you decided that you wanted to pursue oh instantly yeah Mm -hmm. instantly uh I, yeah, I've always been a person really who, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even when at a very young age, at like 13, 
And so baseball, as I said, was my first love. And I played that in high school, was fortunate enough to be able to play that in college. And I wanted to take baseball as far as I could professionally, potentially didn't get that opportunity, came a little bit short after my college baseball career. And then I knew, I always said to myself, I'm going to take baseball as far as I can, then I know exactly what I'm going to do next. It's going to be wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, very, very lucky to be able to chase two dreams in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff I learned in baseball transitioned quite well into being a professional wrestler, traveling on the road, the grind, workout, nutrition, sleep, eating well, trying to figure out when to train, uh, practice, all of that thing, all of those things were, were quite easily transitioned over. And I went to a a school up in South Dakota. So the okay. weather is very similar to where you are. Yeah. So that was quite a change for me from Texas. But the thing about South Dakota state is that we had to travel very far for any of our games because we couldn't obviously play in the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball is not a snow sport. It's, it's a nice <laughs> weather sport. So we were doing, you know, 15, 16, 17, eight hour bus trips every single week for our whole season. Mm-hmm. And so that, very, very, very readily prepares you for the independent wrestling life where you're traveling all of these different cities across US, Canada, wherever you are. Um, and so that was a nice transition for me, like not having that huge adjustment period, understanding that I needed to be on the road and things of that nature. And so, yeah, I, I knew right away that I wanted to pursue it, but I wanted to follow through on my first dream first and then follow through on my second dream next. Now I have to ask, because you mentioned, you know, the traveling as uh, playing baseball, when you're doing that, being on the road for so long, what was that like as someone, you know, you're out of high school partaking in something like that, where you're really being thrown out there. I know you, you mentioned that it did help adjust for when you became or got into wrestling, but as a college student doing that, what was that like for you? Oh, as a freshman, it was a heck of a time trying to juggle everything because Mm -hmm. you know being a student obviously is a full-time job Mm -hmm. being an athlete is a full-time job and then you add on to the top that you know during our in college baseball you play 56 games and so the first you know 25 30 games of that 56 game season were on the road and so I wasn't able to make it to class so I had to take tests and study worksheets and do all these PowerPoints on the road while I'm traveling to baseball, while I'm a freshman, trying to get acclimated with my team, trying to juggle that, trying to juggle a social life. Um, and so it was, it was very challenging and time management skills um, weren't as good as they are now, but I, I learned kind of trial by error, what works for me, what doesn't. Um, but, you know, you can't fly if you don't jump. And so I definitely, I definitely was jumping. Mm-hmm. And, and found some things that worked for me. And, and by my by my junior, senior year, I kind of had it sorted out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as a freshman, I was, you know, flying by the seat of my pants for sure. I think it's really important that you were able to take so much from that and integrate that in when you did be, get into wrestling, because I think it probably made the transition a whole lot easier when you're going out on the road, going, you know, I know you went to Europe and wrestled over there. So being able to have that history with uh, traveling with baseball to transition that it must've made a world of difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I knew kind of from a baseball sense, because every summer in between college uh, school year, you would go and play a summer league mm-hmm. and you would just travel to different parts of the country and play in a summer league. So I, that thought process took me into wrestling and I was like, Oh, I need to like, leave the state that I'm in so I can go other areas. I can travel here. I can learn from this person. I can do this. And that's what got me to 
to Europe, you know, within a year of my professional wrestling career starting. And I was like, I just need to go and travel. Like, and there's like, there's always been this weird thing in wrestling that you're like not supposed to pay for your own flight to places because that looks bad. It's like better if you drive 25 hours. And that just didn't click with me. I was like, if I'm working a full-time job, which I was at the time, and I'm going to drive 25 hours, that's two days off work forward and back. Why not just fly there in a day? Don't miss any work and then come back. I still get the training and the seminar. And so that, that view never clicked with me. And I didn't understand that. Of course, if I'm going with three or four friends, um, yes, we can drive. That's cool. All that mm-hmm. stuff. But if I'm heading out somewhere on my own to try to advance my career, there's no reason I can't fly myself out there. And then if I'm get, I get there and I'm good enough and I earn myself an opportunity, it's going to pay itself back when they're going to bring me back multiple times. So that flight is then paid for itself. So that, mm-hmm. That idea, I'm trying to alter that idea and like what it means to travel and and do the drives and go out and put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a lot of sports, it's pay to play. And some of those things are like that in professional wrestling with some of these seminars that are kind of just money grabs. But you do have to put yourself out there in these situations to give yourself the opportunity to succeed and learn and grow and travel. And sometimes these opportunities aren't going to be the ones that you cash in. But the other one that you do go to could be that big monumental one. So you just got to keep showing up. And I learned that a lot from from baseball and not trying to fall into these these old paradigms of professional wrestling, kind of these traps that we've been told. Kind of have to think for yourself and navigate those waters, how you actually would do it, not what other people think you should do in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was um, uh, good for me and an interesting kind of uh, play out. I know being here up in Canada, there's a lot of the main cities are so spread apart that it does sometimes take a lot to be, to get your name out there, to be recognized. And I've had guests on, on the show talk about how they've, you know, flown themselves from Alberta to Manitoba, just so that they're able to get their name out there, wrestle some shows here and go back and it's paid off for them. But it's, uh, it's really telling that uh, just being able to take that opportunity or take that chance and put yourself out there and just to advance your career and how much it can help you out. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, um, every opportunity can be a once in a lifetime opportunity and you don't know that unless you show up. So. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think a year into your wrestling career that you would be, you know, wrestling over in Europe? Because that's something that people work their entire life and they don't really get the chance to do. Well, you're here a year in, you put yourself out there, go out there. And I mean, that had to be a hell of an experience. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, the first place I went to was, was Germany with WXW. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, I mean, I never expected it per se, but I, I was always aiming towards it. Uh, I didn't know it was going to work out as well as it did. Um, Cause I went there for four weeks for the first time by myself, not knowing anyone ended up being uh, able to train with, with Walter because he was still running the school before he signed with WWE and so that was incredible. Obviously, he's amazing. And, and Timothy Thatcher was also there in some of the tours that I did. And so it was uh, it was amazing. It was, you know, I spent like six months there in total out of like the, the mm, actually a little more than six months in, in between 2016 and 2017. It was the still the best time of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, most fun I've had, the best people to work with, the most well-organized um, promotion that I've worked for. And so, yeah, it's an incredible experience. I'm, I'm going to have that in my heart and in my memories for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, now to get into the mental health aspect of this, because uh, 
a few weeks ago, um, Mustafa Ali had tweeted out uh, a thing about uh, a lot of independent wrestlers, you know, a chance to get your name out there matches. And it was retweeted into my feed, um, what you were doing with your loved. Um, and I thought that that was just an incredible thing, raising awareness, uh, mental health for wrestlers and just mental health in general. I'm a big proponent for it, a big supporter. And um, I reached out to you and I'm thankful that you took the time to join me today to talk about it. But how did this all come to be you doing this, uh, becoming an advocate for mental health? Um, yeah, I'm very happy to share the story, but just as a, uh, a trigger warning for anyone listening, watching, whatever, um, there will be some, some conversation about suicide and things of that nature. So please be aware of that. If you don't hold the space for that right now, take some time, come back to this later. It is a really beautiful story and I encourage you to listen when you have um, the time or energy in your space. But leading back to your question, how you are loved came to be. So obviously I'm a, I'm a professional wrestler. That was my full-time job basically up until COVID hit. And so that's an important kind of nugget of information, but I'll take you back into to 2018. Uh, I was living in Philadelphia with Wheeler Yuta. He was my roommate at the time, AEW star Wheeler Yuta. Mm -hmm. What a legend. <laughs> so proud of him. But anyways, yeah, we were living together um, and in 2018. And um, in September of 2018, I um, got a call from my family who was living in Dallas at my big sister. Her name was Rachel, Rachel Mashbitz. My real name's Aaron. That's what you are loved is under Jackson Stone's my professional wrestling name. Um, and my big sister, Rachel, that she... Uh, she took her own life. So in September of 2018, my, my big sister, Rachel, died by suicide. It's very important that we use died by suicide, not committed suicide. Committed implies that they did something wrong. There was a crime committed. Um, but we want to treat these mental health conditions uh, like we do any other sickness or illness. And we died by cancer. So we died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And so that moment, that moment in my life changed everything for me. Um, it, it, uh, when something like that happens, you have to, not have to, that's the wrong word, but you can reevaluate, look at everything that's in your life and, and figure out what truly is important because you get that punch in the face that life is very short. Life is very precious and things don't last forever. And the people that you truly, truly love will not be around forever. And you should enjoy the moments as you can. And so that's what was my initial thought. I, at the time, as a professional wrestler, I was, my character was a pretend movie star. I was under the name Lights, Camera, Jackson, Jackson Stone. And so all of those things started to, I started to reevaluate them. I, I, have, I started talking about mental health on a regular basis on my social media platforms. I released a t-shirt that said, you are loved on the front. I was just gonna release a t-shirt that was really the only thing that I was going to do. Um, I thought I needed to do something. That T-shirt ended up selling, you know, quite a few, quite a few shirts. Um, I started altering my character uh, as a professional wrestler because I was most mostly doing a, a heel role on shows, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stomach the idea of, of talking about these very important, vulnerable, open things on social media, and then going to a show and being rude and. Uh, you know, as a character, right, of course, and yeah. saying shut up and all these things. So I dropped the whole movie star type of gimmick. I basically just became myself 
with still using a, um, a pretend name of Jackson Stone. And so my character now is completely altered. I just am this person. I think most people know me now as, as the guy who talks about mental health or the you are loved guy or whatever. And so backtracking a little bit, started with a t-shirt and then uh, I, I wanted to do more. I started doing my own research. I started attending more support groups for my own grief and my own mental health. And then I started having uh, conversations on my YouTube channel with other people who were dealing with mental health, try to share stories of resiliency and hope and power um, and all of these things that we struggle with as humans so we can share some common humanity so we can kind of aim towards being you know, more healthy and, and more mentally strong. And then that turned into uh, starting a website, having youarelovelife.com, more merchandise, and then about a year ago, I officially became a nonprofit organization. So You Are Loved is now officially a nonprofit mental health organization. And at this point, we specialize in support groups because that's what's been the most beneficial for me and my um, mental health journeys. So we have support groups for general population, but I'm really, really, really interested in, in building mental health infrastructures for professional wrestlers. So currently we have two support groups we have about 30 wrestlers signed up. Those support groups are led by licensed mental health therapists who also happen to be professional wrestlers. So they understand the complexity of the business. They understand the jargon, lexicon, the things that goes on in the midst of the business because professional wrestling can be a beautiful coping strategy for our mental health, but it can also be something that spirals our mental health out of control. And we got to find that harmony in there. And so those support groups or something that, that, that can help that. Um, and so that's where kind of it's led. And, and then I decided that we should start doing some webinars to get more people involved in what we're doing. So we have our first one on February 23rd. Um, that one's about anxiety, coping strategies, and crisis resources. We're going to do one every other month. They're mm -hmm. zero cost. They'll be led by the therapists or some other people that I bring in that are also part of the professional wrestling industry that have a niche subject they can talk about that relates to this mental health subject. And then building the system out, there'll be a, um, a Facebook group for any wrestler that wants to join. That Facebook group will have resources, worksheets, guidelines, communication, and then that will lead to a very similar structure that AA has done. AA does peer-led support groups. So those are in recovery, are leading these groups. They're just farther in their recovery journey. And we're going to do that in professional wrestling. So it's going to be like these peer-led monthly check-in groups. So all these, there'll be about groups of 10. So everyone has a channel of communication that they can go to, a big channel in the Facebook group, smaller channels in the peer-led support groups, and then even deeper connection in these therapist-led support groups. And then the, the fourth layer of support or infrastructure would be that my nonprofit, we, we sponsor people's mental health treatment. So if the wrestler needs more one-on-one -on -one time, a therapist, online services, medication, treatment center, then we would then sponsor that treatment. And that's the same type of work I do outside of the professional wrestling space. But since I know the business so well, I've seen people struggle. I've seen people end their lives over this stuff. We're losing too many people too quickly. This is my goal. This is um, really what I'm aiming at. I don't really wrestle that much anymore. It's not that important to me. This is more important to me, being integrated in these systems, meeting with people, talking to promoters, getting people involved in this stuff, and having wonderful people like Mustafa Ali share this stuff so that more people are aware and can recognize the importance of it, and we can build actual systems 
there so we're not losing people people aren't falling behind we can be mentally strong and stable and still chase all of our professional wrestling goals and dreams so mm-hmm. that's uh that was long-winded but that's kind of how i got here what has the reception been for you so far with uh you know with wrestlers and people in the wrestling community so far with you uh bringing this out it's been mostly very very positive very, very positive. Initially, a couple of years ago, when I started talking about this stuff and I was using a different character, I got a couple messages from promoters saying that they couldn't use me anymore because I was no longer a tough guy because I was talking about my feelings and emotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't happened in a very long time. That stuff has kind of gone away. So I'm glad that has. It was very interesting to receive those type of messages early on, but I stuck through it. I, I knew what I wanted to do. And being a, a pretend tough guy wasn't as important to me as being a real human with emotions and feelings and sharing those things on the internet. But since I've done all the professional wrestling support groups and the webinars and all of these things, yes, yeah, very, extremely positive, um, very, very, very well received. Um, the people that I'm working with, which are Kyle Henry and Carl Chinbaum, they, uh, they have also... Um, received a lot of positive feedback and we're really looking forward to our first webinar. I mean, it's, it's important to note that we, like none of this has ever been done before. No one's attempted to do this, which is, um, you know, wild in itself. So we don't know everything. We don't know exactly how it's going to go. I have a vision, I have a plan, but we're really just have an intention of trying to care for people and seeing where that takes us. So we're probably going to fuck up. We're probably going to do some things wrong, right? Things aren't going to go perfectly, but we're trying. And the more support we can receive, um, the better. And if anyone is listening to this and they want to get involved in any way, or they know someone in the mental health field or a professional wrestler, anyone, um, I'm very good at answering DMs. So please, please reach out. I'm, I'm always down to chat. Definitely. And I think it's important to raise the awareness and know that there is spaces for people involved in wrestling to reach out if they do need the help um times have changed and it's a lot different than you know 20 years ago in wrestling where now you're having these outlets and there's more awareness where it's things you look back and things could have been different for a lot of people if there would have been this sort of outlet for them or Mm -hmm. if you know they would have had been able to talk about things like this or know that there's somebody there so the fact that you guys are doing this now i think it's incredibly important and it's a great outlet for everyone involved in wrestling thank you thank you yeah i mean i totally i totally agree it's just there's no like we can't we can't save everyone i have i've tried to come to terms with that um i can't help everyone um that's something that i deal with um something that weighs me down quite a bit quite regularly but if there is at least something available that is easily accessed, then we're giving people the chance to more likely, more often use those resources mm-hmm. instead of shutting down and closing off and not talking to anyone. Sometimes we have no idea what's going on with people, right? Everyone's going through something that we can't see. And so if we can just at least nudge them towards these resources that they at least can know that they're available for them, or they have a close person reaching out in them, or they're attending some sort of check-in group, or they have just a little inclination that someone cares, someone loves them, which is true 100% of the time. Um, And so that's what's important to me. 
I didn't by happenstance just name my nonprofit You Are Love. Like I really that shit has changed my life. Like mm-hmm. when I was down and out, when I thought that the, my world was coming to an end because I lost my sister, those three words stood out to me. And I think it's true no matter what your situation is, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are deeply, deeply loved. And there's space for you. Um, the world is better with you in it. And, and hopefully that we can come together as a professional wrestling community and we can link arms and fans, wrestlers, promoters alike, everyone involved because everyone struggles, everyone needs help. We can do this together. We can see something on Twitter. We can recognize it. We can send them this. We can see something at a show. We can send them this. Like there's actual things in place that are appropriate and accessible. Not that we're there yet, but we have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Of course, this is a long journey. It's a long process. We're just getting started. I've been building this for about two years and I'm now finally implementing it and introducing it to the world so it's not just something that i threw together but i'm still working on it as i go and we still need have a long way to go but um that's that's what's in my head that's what's in my heart and that's what i believe to be true now is this open for not just wrestlers but promoters and other people involved in wrestling uh yes 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 so um anyone can join the support group outside of fans we're going to do something for the fans later we're going to climb that mountain once we have sort of climbed this mountain because they're two very different things and they need two very different sets of support and help um but yes like promoters uh backstage refs all of that for me is included in the professional wrestling um spectrum or continuum of people that can use this support so yeah anyone can be involved and i'm trying to reach out to promoters to see if they want to do like a a thing before their show where i introduce Mm -hmm. this stuff and do a seminar about mental health or whatever the case may be is and so people have been very receptive i'm trying to get my way into wrestlecon to see if i can do something there get a booth or something like that but i don't know if that'll happen this year maybe it'll happen next year but it's all a work in progress and uh, Mm -hmm. i'm happy to be doing the work and it's, it's it's going well I think something like that would be huge. Uh, WrestleCon, there's so many eyes on it. I mean, you have a, how many people coming and traveling for that event? Pardon me. So to be able to have something like that, whether it's this year or next year, just getting the eyes on it, getting fans aware and wrestlers aware that this is there for you know wrestlers, people involved in wrestling to, if they need help, to reach out and just know that they're not alone. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and and if we can get that, then. We can get some of these big promotions, you know, that have a lot of say in the industry to to don't care if they use me or not, but just are themselves pushing the importance of mental health, giving their wrestlers resources to go see people outside of the shows, mm-hmm. maybe have someone at the show who travels with them that can talk to them about their anxiety, breathing mechanisms, things they can do to calm themselves down, what they can do in between shows to realign their life that's purposeful and meaningful, how they can show up and be present for their family outside of shows. All of these things are very important when it comes to the complexity of being a professional wrestler. And so if we can start nudging people at the top, then they can do their own kind of thing to to best support their professional wrestlers and their workers. And so it doesn't have to be us, like I said, but it's gotta be somebody, it's Mm -hmm. gotta be somebody. There's a few things that I wanted to ask you about mental health, uh, just to bring it out there. I'm not necessarily wrestling related, but I feel that it's important to talk about. But uh, I, I jotted a few down, so I just got to look at my notes before I uh, mess it up. But um, 
what are like, what do you wish that people knew or pardon me? Yeah, sorry. What do you wish that people knew about mental health that they might not know? I wish that when people heard the phrase mental health, that they wouldn't automatically assume that that's like sad, sad people only. That's like you're depressed or you have anxiety or you're like, they wouldn't label it or put a stigma attached to what mental health is. For me, in my, in my mind, what I've come to realize is that mental health means how you think, feel, and act. So it encompasses your everyday life. You have mental health. Mm-hmm. I have mental health every day, right? How do we deal with failure, rejection, heartbreak, setback, success, anything? All of that has to do with how we think, feel, and act. So it has to do with our mental health. So if we can remove that idea that once I mentioned mental health, I'm immediately talking about a sad person or a depressed person. I'm not, I'm not. That is part of mental health, right? That's part of the mental health spectrum or continuum, but that is a mental health condition. And that is different from our mental health overall because everybody every day deals with mental health. And so if we can then separate that and then deal with uh, more severe mental health conditions like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, major depressive disorder, severe anxiety as the mental health conditions that they are, not just like this single thing, right? But a holistic approach to mental health, then we're going to be better off. Is there any common thing that you hear from people dealing uh, with mental health that seems to be a regular thing, whether it's needing more resources or things that are affecting them? Is is there anything that uh, you hear more often than not? Um, The most common thing I hear in regards to I'll separate the two. One is in regards to finding help. Mm-hmm. We, there's a, there's an access, there's a barrier to getting help as a uh, mental health treatment, you know, because if you think about it, paying a therapist is not cheap. And so mm-hmm. if we have to make this decision to spend 180, $120, $90, whatever it may be, excuse me, on therapy and a trade-off is that we can't buy food for the week or we can't pay rent or, whatever, we have to pick the other. We have to pick rent and food because we need mm-hmm. a place to live. And so the biggest act, the biggest barrier to, to getting treatment or help or support is what I hear the most is that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not affordable. And so we have to remove that barrier by making it more accessible, making it available to all people. And so that we don't have to make this really, really hard choice between putting food on the table or taking care of our mental health because both are important and both deeply impact our overall wellness. Mm -hmm. And then in regards to like a specific condition, maybe anxiety or um, depression, um, people always seem to, to label that person. I think, you know, if someone comes out and saying that um, I'm sad or I have depression or I am, I've been feeling anxious, right. That doesn't, that doesn't encompass the whole person. It's just one part of them. And when people feel, when people hear that, they label that person as the sad person or mm-hmm. the depressed person or the anxious person. And really that's not true because we all feel anxious or sad or depressed at times. It depends on the severity of it, but we have a full spectrum of emotions that we feel. And I think it's important to allow those into our body. And so we, we don't want to label someone as this. It's just part of their identity. It's they're also probably a, a son or a brother or a sister or a father or a mother, right? Or a worker or whatever they are. They're way more than just this one thing that they experience 
um, on occasion. And so we have to not label people, or put them in a box because they're much more than that. And usually when you're feeling depressed or anxious or things of that nature, it's just a symptom signal. It's a warning signal that something in there has, is unmet. There's unresolved trauma. It's not a, this isolated incident. It's not because you're crazy or insane. You're not. You're just a regular, beautiful human being dealing with something. And you have to dig a little bit deeper into why and, and meet those needs and resolve that pain or that trauma or do whatever you need to do, whatever fits you um, in the moment for, for handling that specific um, emotion or feeling that has come up for you. Uh, you had mentioned having, you know, uh, access to, you know, therapy and that, that being more affordable. I know for myself, you know, not a lot of people may know about it, but uh, there was a time a few years back where stuff I was dealing with, I needed to have that outlet to be able to talk to someone. I was thankful my work had a uh, thing set up that it was free. I didn't need to pay for it. So I was able to get that. But without that, I, I don't know where I would be with it, just with how I was feeling, what I was going through. So I'm thankful for that to, to think that there are people out there who can't have that because it isn't affordable. It's, it's heartbreaking to think about. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's amazing that you did that. And that's amazing that your work was able to supply that for you. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful culture that we should all strive to be, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. And then on the other side of that coin is that there isn't enough mental health professionals to help everyone that needs help, because it's a very tough profession to get into. Getting your therapist license is very hard. And they're not compensated properly. And so if we're going to make therapy and counseling and treatment more affordable, we can't then pay our therapists less, mm-hmm. right? So there has to be this balance of paying them an adequate wage because they're really doing the tough work. They're hearing a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma all the, all, all the time. And they have to have their own support outside of that. And so we have to pay them what they deserve to be paid for the work they're doing and how many lives they're saving while also making it affordable for everyday people to go so we can be a more mentally sound, emotionally stable, mentally well world. I mean, isn't that a place where we're all more happy, we're all more fulfilled, we all feel more purpose, more meaning. When setbacks come into our life, we're able to bounce back quicker, right? When we get rejected or there's failure, we see that as an, as an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't, wouldn't we all want that? So I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure why we're not all pushing this idea you know, of, of this mental health structure, of making it a priority of taking care of ourselves and each other on a more regular routine basis that has to do with some of these practices and skills on our mental, on our mental framework. And I think Mm -hmm. that's just how we, how we go about, you know, building the best version of ourselves every single day. Are there things that we can do to help eliminate the stigma around mental health? 100%. Absolutely. It starts with with what we're doing right now, right? Conversations about it, you know, conversations about how you're feeling, answering the questions of how are you doing, honestly, especially between two males. We're breaking down that idea that men who are uh, tough can't speak about emotions. The toughest men that I know talk about how they feel. They ask for help and they also get the fucking job done when they have to, right? That's what That's what we do. And the same with the strongest women I know. They talk about their feelings, they're sensitive, they're in tune with what they're doing, but they also go out and get the fuck after it when they need to. Um, And so that's what a mentally strong, sound person does, right? They have both traits. They have both 
strong, well, not, uh, they have masculine and feminine traits and they integrate those into one beautiful person. And that, I think that's what I've seen the most. And so breaking down the stigma is about having these conversations about being open and honest uh, and responsible about how we feel and talking about it openly and being, hey, I went to therapy today. And that was cool. And I learned this. Maybe it would be helpful for you and not, and not backtracking about that stuff or being um, worried that someone might judge us. Someone might judge you and you might get a little backlash for it. But the majority of people will be open and receptive to it. And you're giving them permission to go and help themselves and live a better life. So you're not only encouraging them to do it, but you're helping them go live their best life. And that's what breaking down the stigma is about. So that everyone, everyone can be emotionally sound. We can live the best version of ourselves. We can reach our highest potential and, and, we, can, and we can be happy and, and unified and together and love each other, I think is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people who may be too embarrassed or scared who might need help or need someone to talk? Do you have any advice for them? I mean, I would say reach out, but that's, that's the hardest thing that, to do. Like it's the hardest thing to do when we're feeling like, when we're not feeling well. And so I would, I would start with one, journaling how you feel, write down how you feel and think about the consequences of action and inaction. So think about if you don't do anything and you stay in this state forever, where would your life end up? And then if you think about the consequences of action, like changing your mental health, getting after it, reaching out for help, working on these skills that you can develop for your mind. Yes, it might be very, very, very hard at the beginning. It might be very painful at the beginning, but over time, you'll see this incremental change in how you feel and how you act. So I would start with with journaling, writing some things down, where you want your life to be. How do you feel? What's one thing that you should stop doing that you know is bad for you? What's one thing that you can start doing every day that you know is good for you? Start writing where you want to be in three to five years. Start jotting down some consequences of staying in the same place that you are, some consequences of moving forward, some action. And write all those things down, visualize them. You're basically writing an autobiography of your life and where you potentially could see your life if you added more responsibility and value into your life, made decisions based on what's best for you. Um, And then I would potentially try and um, really, if you're not honoring your body or if you're not exercising regularly, that's a practice I would immediately start. Our exercise and sleep has a profound impact on our mental health and it's all interconnected. So I would start moving and walking, dancing, going to the gym, anything that honors your body regularly every day um, i would start meditating being able to sit and breathe and regulate your breath and your nervous system while letting thoughts come and go it adds mindfulness to your life it adds awareness which is helpful when we're feeling a certain way we can pick it out and we can um, know that we're feeling this way and allow it to pass or we can get in tune with it and figure out what we might need what we need less of what do you need more of so that's a kind of why meditate very small snippet of why meditation is important and then, um, you know, I'd find some sort of support system. Um, if you're, if you're really, really into turtles, like that's, that fires you up, which is super cool. I think turtles are very unique and cool, but find a group, find a group that meets once a month, once a week and talks about turtles. You're going to find your community of, of support of like-minded people who like the same thing as you. And then you can open up about them and how you might be feeling. 
because they already have this shared interest with you, just like the professional wrestling community. That's why I think this can work so well because we already are connected off this one thing that we love so deeply. And so I would find a support system and, and I would go from there and I would do these protocols every single day because we really, really, really have to stick to our protocols when we feel the worst mm -hmm. because that's when we need it the most. So most of the time when our mental health is ailing or spiraling out of control, we have to do things that we know are good for us that don't feel good in the moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to force ourselves to do those things. And so if you've built this kind of mental health toolkit, when you're outside of a crisis, when you do get in a crisis, you'll have things to go to immediately. And not to say it'll work perfectly every time and your mental health will always be in great shape. It won't be. It's a, it's up and down. It's a wave. You're not exonerated from the work because you start doing the work. You're always going to have to do the work forever, but you're going to know how to do it on a more consistent basis. And I think that's very important for people to understand. Definitely. I think those uh, are definitely some very important and things that can help. Um, I'm going to end this with a quote that I found on your website that I think is a very important and uh, hopefully, you know, it can help people out was whatever you're able to do today is enough. Our best looks different daily. And I think that speaks volumes and it can be very impactful for a lot of people. Um, Jackson, where can people find you online? Uh, whether it's Twitter or your social media, just if people need to reach out, uh, just a chance to plug what you're, what you're doing with you are loved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah, it's great. Um, on, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram at, at Jackson Stone, J A X O N S T O N E on Twitter. There's a little underscore after it on Instagram. It's just at Jackson Stone. And then you can go to jacksonstone.net as well. Uh, if you want to, buy some merch, sign up for my newsletter, um, hire me to speak at your school or your business or whatever. I do a lot of that. And then if you want more information on You Are Loved, you can go to youarelovedlife.com. Um, I've got the story. There's videos. There's a donation tab. We have a fundraiser in March. We're, going, we're doing a fundraiser right now, the first one we've ever done to try to build funds so we can kind of support some of these systems that I'm trying to build. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, that's what I got. And if you really want to support me and you are loved. The best way to do it is through Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Jackson Stone. All, most of that money goes all into the mental health initiatives that I'm doing. And uh, it's pretty cool. So thank you and cheers. Jackson, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this today to help bring awareness. And I think what you are doing with you are loved is absolutely incredible. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. I appreciate you uh, introducing me to your audience and uh, all that good stuff. Thank you so much to Jackson Stone for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. You can find him up on Twitter. Search uh, Jackson Stone. You'll see him doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, search up You Are Loved up on Twitter. Give them a follow. Some fantastic resources. And uh, by all means, I know that I have always uh, mentioned it up on my account. My DMs are always open. If you ever need to reach out to talk I am always a open ear. I will be there for you if need be. So thank you so much to him. Thank you for joining me and listening, checking out the Grain Maker Wrestling Podcast. I will say it every time. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me and listen to me talk about wrestling. So thank you so much for that. Um, if it's your first time checking out the podcast, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainMakerPod. You can shoot me a follow over there. Let's talk wrestling. Uh, you know, let's just um, 
let's chat about what we love professional wrestling uh up on uh sorry email graymakerpodcast at gmail.com you can uh, send me an email if there's someone you would like me to have on the show or if you have questions comments concerns all that stuff you can email me graymakerpodcast at gmail.com uh, up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. I have been putting more effort into it, so I'm slowly getting there. Uh, and uh, up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast, if you could rate and review, that'd be great. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, t-shirts, what a maneuver. If you want to search uh, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast up on there, you can order a shirt. Half of all proceeds is going to Ray Winnipeg, Resource Assistance for Youth. So uh, let's help out and uh, do what we can. I'm trying to work on a local t-shirt supplier if you're in Winnipeg. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I've got some, got some feelers out there, seeing what I can do. But thanks again for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon.